breast cancer. Those are two words your patients don't want to hear and news that you don't want to deliver. Unfortunately for one in eight American women, it's a truth they'll have to face in their lifetime. And the risks are clear. Besides being female, the two major risk factors for developing breast cancer are advancing age and family history. In fact, about 80% of women diagnosed with invasive breast cancer are age 50 and older. And while family history of the disease is an important risk factor, up to 80% of women diagnosed with breast cancer don't have one. Unfortunately, many women still have misperceptions about who is at risk. They think, I don't have a family history of breast cancer, so I don't need to worry. My mom had breast cancer, but I'm only 43. The good news is that with early detection, we can try to reduce the risk of breast cancer mortality. Through awareness and education, we hope to improve patients' willingness to be screened for breast cancer. To help in this effort, Lilly has created the Strength in Knowing Breast Cancer Awareness Program and website. It's designed to educate women about their individual risks and provide a means for them to share this knowledge with others. At strengthinknowing.com, women can hear from professionals as they discuss the importance of knowing the risks of breast cancer, find out about events they can attend in their city, and help spread the message. The resources may also be helpful to you and your practice. There is strength in knowing about the risks of breast cancer. So spread the word today. Visit strengthinknowing.com and tell your patients to visit too. I didn't realize I was at risk until I visited. I told my sister, my mother, and my aunt. This program is sponsored by Eli Lilly and Company. Answers that matter. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Women's Health, sponsored in part by Eli Lilly. Your host is Dr. Lawrence Stryker, Assistant Clinical Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Northwestern University Medical School, the Feinberg School of Medicine. According to the National Center for Health Statistics, one in nine women will develop some form of cardiovascular disease by age 64. After age 65, the ratio rises to one in three women. Few women, however, know what they should be doing to prevent heart disease, even though it is 10 times more likely that an American woman will die from heart disease than from breast cancer. Today we are joined by Dr. Marla Mendelson, Director of the Women's Cardiology Program of the Bloom Cardiovascular Institute of Northwestern Memorial Hospital in Chicago to learn about gender-specific risk factors for coronary artery disease. Welcome, Dr. Mendelson. Thank you. Well, the first thing I'd like to talk about is why is cardiac disease so underdiagnosed in women? Well, initially, it was thought to be a man's disease for some reason. And the reason being is that men usually get cardiovascular disease approximately 10 years before women. And so it was much more dramatic. These are the time people are in the middle of their or near the end of their careers. So it had much more of a socioeconomic impact. Women get coronary disease about 10 years later, so it, it was thought to be a disease of older age. And everyone sort of threw up their hands and said, it's inevitable. And it wasn't recognized. It wasn't recognized by physicians back in 1991 when this issue was first highlighted. And it still is probably not recognized by women themselves. And do you think that explains why women tend to get less intervention than men? They have up until a point. And part of it is, too, that women don't recognize that they're at risk 
or that the chest pain that they're having is cardiac in origin, and therefore they don't present. Mm-hmm. And that's why they may get less procedures. So at what age and in what circumstances should women be screened for heart disease? Well, it depends on their risk factors. If there's a strong family history of premature disease, then they should start being screened early on before they become at risk. Define early. Well, that varies pretty much depending on physician's age and things like that. But basically, women who have coronary disease in their premenopausal years, that would be a premature disease, and men before 50. So that's what you want to look for. If there's a family, a strong family history of premature disease would be a reason to screen people relatively early. There's another important group of women that are of concern, and it's the women who have elements of the metabolic syndrome, hypertension, elevated blood glucose, high triglycerides, central obesity. These women tend to have low cholesterol, and they may be premenopausal in age. These women may have high cholesterol and high LDL, the women with metabolic syndrome. Now, premenopausal women are supposed to have low cholesterol and low LDL and high HDL. So if you see a premenopausal woman who has a high LDL, she's not getting the estrogen protection she should be, and I think she should be identified as a woman at potential risk. So, for example, the 40-year-old woman who is healthy and has no symptoms but had a mother who had coronary artery disease diagnosed when she was in her late 40s, that's someone that you would recommend screening? Yes. Okay. Well, let's talk about some of the specific standard cardiac tests in terms of who should get them and what they tell you. And we might as well just start with a standard EKG. Well, the EKG is helpful to look for any problems with the electrical system of the heart, heart rhythm disorders, and prior infarcts. If an EKG is taken during the time of symptoms, it can be helpful to look for signs of ischemia, that may be occurring just at the time associated with the pain that the patient is having. So an ECG is helpful as a a screening device and is even more helpful when it's being taken during the time of symptoms. But in an asymptomatic woman who's being screened, is that something, would that be one of the first tests that you would obtain? It usually is because it looks to see if there's been any silent infarcts to deal with or any other problems that may impact on a stress test result Mm -hmm. down the road as you start thinking ahead of what you're going to be doing with these patients. I think the other important screening modality is going to be just looking at a person's history besides family history and elevated cholesterol, looking for the other risk factors, Mm -hmm. early menopause, without hormone replacement therapy, diabetes, smoking history. Uh, Those are important things too as part of the screening process. And what about an echocardiogram? And could you also talk about the bubble study? The echocardiogram is basically an ultrasound of the heart, and what it looks at is the heart structurally. As a static study at rest, you're looking at the valves, the valve function, any valve malfunction to see if there is normal contractility of the heart. The bubble study that is often added to it, or contrast study, would be to pick up intracardiac shunts, atrial septal defects, ventricular septal defects that may be there. Not as associated with coronary disease, but certainly an important finding if it is suspected by history, by exam, by prior studies. But the echocardiogram is particularly useful when combined with stress testing. Mm -hmm. Because you can not only see the heart's function at rest, you see what the heart can do with exercise. And the heart is supposed to get smaller and contract more forcefully with exercise. If the heart doesn't get smaller, even a subtle change like that could signal a problem with blood supply to the heart muscle. 
You're listening to Advances in Women's Health on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Marla Mendelson, Director of the Women's Cardiology Program of the Bloom Cardiovascular Institute of Northwestern Memorial Hospital in Chicago, about gender-specific risk factors for coronary artery disease. Now, Dr. Mendelson, you just mentioned stress tests. Of course, my patients tell me that their entire life is one big stress test, (laughs) and that, that may be correct, but when do we get a formal stress test? as a screening tool, and what exactly does it tell you? Just like any other test, if people are having symptoms, a stress test can be particularly useful to try and simulate or provoke those symptoms under medical attention while a patient is is hooked up to an electrocardiographic monitor so we can see if there's changes on the ECG when a person's having symptoms with exercise, and if necessary, and it is often necessary in women under the age of 60, combined with echocardiography to see how the heart works at rest and with stress. Now, a stress test is very carefully contrived. It is usually a series of graded exercise, either on a treadmill or on a stationary bicycle, that has been developed to stress the heart in a staged manner and a reproducible manner. And the electrocardiogram is constantly being watched during that test for changes that may signal decreased blood supply or irregular rhythms that can occur with exercise. And then oftentimes, as I mentioned, it's done with other modalities, either nuclear imaging or echocardiography to help get even a better, clearer picture of the heart at rest in an exercise. Mm -hmm. Now, are there certain cardiac tests that are problematic specifically in women? Well, the nuclear test has at times can be problematic. The nuclear test is uh, giving a nuclear isotope and then taking pictures and images of that. And sometimes you can have overlying tissue that obscures parts of the heart, such as in women, you can have breast tissue, which may obscure the view of the front wall of the heart on these studies. And so that is problematic. You don't have those same problems when you combine echocardiography with stress testing. When we say stress testing, stress testing can also be done with medicines that can stimulate the heart and simulate some of the effects of exercise. So you can get similar information in patients who cannot exercise. One special circumstance that I would like to touch upon that I know is an area of interest for you is the older patient with no known history of heart disease who becomes pregnant because, of course, through the wonders of in vitro fertilization and donor eggs, we're seeing increasing numbers of pregnant women who are in their late 40s, 50s, and even occasionally the 60s. So are you seeing more issues with this ultimate stress test, if you will, in a population that was biologically not intended to be pregnant? And is there any special screening that should be considered in a woman who's contemplating pregnancy at these older ages? Well, to answer your second question first, emphatically, yes. A woman who has any risk factor for coronary disease who is contemplating a pregnancy should be evaluated fully and maybe even more fully than normal to look for any occult disease because you don't want somebody showing up with a heart attack in the middle of a pregnancy. It becomes extremely problematic for both mother and baby. And so I think you're right. In this group, we really have to look very carefully And in many of my patients with complex congenital heart disease or other types of heart problems, we do very careful, close analysis of these patients before they get pregnant because, again, you don't want any surprises. We have in our program have had women who've had heart attacks after pregnancy, who've had underlying coronary artery disease and have gone on to have a pregnancy, but these are very carefully selected, evaluated, and 
carefully followed patient. So but, it is but what about the patient that is not at risk? The healthy 50-year-old with no family history and no reason to think she has heart disease who is planning a pregnancy, does she need particular screening? I would do some screening as far as cholesterol and electrocardiographic screening. And if she is truly fit, I mean, we're talking about somebody who is truly fit and has a high aerobic potential, I don't think it'd be unreasonable still to do a stress test on that, although there's no data to support that necessarily. But just intuitively to do a stress test because, you know, pregnancy has a lot of elements that are similar to a stress test. And again, you don't want any surprises. I would like to thank Dr. Marla Mendelson for joining us today and sharing her viewpoints on gender-specific screening for coronary artery disease. Thank you for listening to Advances in Women's Health, sponsored in part by Eli Lilly, with your host, Dr. Lawrence Stryker. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, please go to reachmd.com forward slash women's health.